TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you and I am with, well, he's not hungover, he's not down, but he's a little bit post 50, he's had such a massive celebration, his feet have landed on the ground, he's decided to join us on 100 Not Out today, he's 50 and a bit, I'm talking about Australia's number one wellness expert, Dr. Damien Christoph. how are you, great man? Ah, Pizzy. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? How about those caterpillars? Gee whiz, I'm glad your two legs are still stuck onto you. You were raging over the dance floor. You had a great night on your 50th birthday. It was a joy Mm. to be with you and your family and a bunch of friends. And now, now that you're 50, Mm -hmm. and again, what happens at the party stays at the party. Yes. But now that you're 50... We've got a little bit of work to do because there are a few things that weren't done up until your 50th birthday. I didn't want to put any pressure on you leading up to your birthday because, you know, it was a big deal and everything. But I've been inundated by listeners demanding that we record an episode that we said we would record. And no one hates a lack of completion more than our listeners. We said for weeks that we would record a five-part review of the four-part Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zone series. And mm. for many reasons, we only got four episodes done. So now that okay. your 50th is done and we're recording yep. back to back again, I think today is the time that we give our review, which is largely going to be led by you, about the new Blue Zones. Are you up for it? No, I'm up for it, PC. And apologies to everybody having to wait so long for such an important episode because this is a cracker. This is a cracker, and you know when you, if you still, if you haven't watched the secrets of the of the blue zones, then um, where have you you've been? got to watch it. You've got to watch it. Um, so, now, the reason why I say you lead this is because you've been to Singapore many times, and I have never foot, never set foot in Singapore. Yeah, you understand it. Uh, Jackson, your son, lives there. I feel like you travel there every second week to. Go and say hello to Jacko. Make sure his house is clean and he's doing the laundry and everything's a-okay. Hmm. But this conversation around Singapore is actually, I feel like, being had by people all around the world in that is where they live possibly a blue zone. I don't know about you, but I've had a number of people that live in certain parts of Australia, um, you know, little islands off the off the east coast near Brisbane and uh, little islands off the Gold Coast and, and way up far north Queensland going, our location's got a great community vibe and we're really active and so on. Like, do you think we could be a blue zone? Do you want to perhaps go into what you've observed in, in Singapore um, and maybe we give a bit of context about what 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 is in the documentary, but what, what it takes to potentially be regarded as a blue zone in the modern world? Yeah. Well, first of all, you've got to pay the fee. Like, you've got to make sure that you pay your money <laughs> to be considered to, a blue to- zone. To, to the Blue Zones company. To the Blue Zones company. But uh, that aside, that aside, then I think you, you're the people that you know uh, up in those islands um, off the east coast of Australia um, where it's nice and warm and the food's fresh and they've got a great sense of community, all that sort of stuff. I think that's so really, really important. 
Um, I think what's really fascinating about Singapore being classed as the next blue zone, and I think that's actually been now made official. Is it? I think is it I'm official? Gonna, I'm going to Google that as, as you talk. I think it's official. They are the sixth the blue zone. Um, what's interesting about that is it's not necessarily because they've already achieved it, um, though they might be in the process of achieving it. It's all of the things that they're putting into place to encourage their community to achieve it. And I think that there's something to be said with um, like living the life that it takes to live a long time um, and, and knowing also and knowing also that you're on the right track because if you knew that you're on the right track in your 30s to living to 100 and really well, then you'd probably just keep on doing what you're doing in your 30s. If you knew that, you know, at 40 that you were on the right track to live into 100 because you'd been signed off as a blue zone and this is the lifestyle that's required and, and you were living that lifestyle, then you just keep on doing what you're doing. Mm. Same as at 70, 80 and 90. Like Don't if you go changing. You, yeah. One of the secrets, yeah. isn't it? Don't go changing. Exactly. So I think that there's power in it. And so potentially, and maybe I've got to look more into the whole Singapore um, certification of becoming a blue zone, I, it, it strikes me, uh, uh, you know, that I I don't think that they have the statistics or the numbers to match Sardinia or Ikaria um, or Okinawa or Costa Rica. Um, definitely, definitely they have the numbers to match Loma Linda, no doubt about it, because they are such shit numbers, um, but they still get a blue zone status just because somehow they do. Um, but the like, I don't think Singapore actually has those numbers. Maybe they do, but uh, I think it's they what don't, the government... They don't because I'm, I'm looking at them right now and I would say even Australia has them covered in terms yeah. of the numbers of life expectancy. So Yeah, but um, what we see happening in Singapore is there's a deliberate, um, there's a deliberate p- push by the government to encourage their residents... Um, their people, their population to live an exceptional life. Mm. Um, I think in their mailbox, like if everyone in Singapore checked their mailbox on the 1st of December 2023, they would find a copy of your exceptional life in their mailbox <laughs> because that's that's how committed <laughs> the Singapore government is to having people live an exceptional life. I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. So, um, And we can see that. They've got pathways all over the place. They discourage driving. Um, they encourage sticking into little communities. They encourage movement. They encourage healthy food. They fund a healthy food lifestyle um, by decreasing the price and incentivizing cafes and restaurants for providing healthier meals. Um, so they do a number of different things that sounds like if they keep on doing that, they would have the statistics to match it with the best. It's really um, – I'm 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 – as you're talking, I am getting into the data because depending on which company you have do the stats is largely dependent on where you finish on the ladder for longevity. So there's a number okay. of different companies that measure life expectancy, the United Nations being one of them, uh, the World Health Organization being another, the World Bank Group being another, and there are discrepancies at the top of the table. So just to give people some um, 
some ideas here. So in Australia, the United Nations has us on the podium at the bronze position at an average of 83.4. Really? And they have Singapore. Mm. Um, well, sorry, they have Australia at 84.5, sorry. And they have Singapore uh, at 82.8. Hong Kong gets the number one gig with the United Nations at 85.5. And Japan comes in at number two at 84.8. Wow. What, say, the United Nations doesn't measure is quality of life in the longevity, which is why I like to use the World Health Organization statistics because they have this health-adjusted life expectancy at birth number, and then they also have a life expectancy at age 60 and a health-adjusted life expectancy at age 60, which I think is a lot more, what's the word, practical or real, or you can, you can understand it more in the context of your own life. Yeah. So Singapore with the World Health Organization, they come in at fourth, um, and Australia comes in at eighth. Yeah. And... Yeah, I'm just having a look at it here. They have uh, a 60-year-old is expected to have 18 point, uh, no, sorry, 20 years of quality life left at age 60, and in Australia, it's 19. Now, Japan, it's 20.4, which mm. looks to be the highest. Um, mm. But one would have to be curious, and you know, I do think it is a bit of a secret source as to what does give an entity, a country, a location, um, the label, the official Blue Zone label? So Blue Zones have made their announcements. They may have even put the put it all down on paper, but that's definitely something for you and I to have a look at. But I think what you're saying is, and, and you mentioned this in the previous episode as well, is when you experience places that are renowned for their longevity and the quality um, of their longevity, it does make you begin to think about how you're living your life. Mm. Oh, totally. But going over to Singapore, it doesn't feel like Sardinia or Ikaria. Mm. It's, it's, it's a modern society. Yeah, like it feels, it, when you're there, you, you feel like you are so close to that utopia that you see in the movies, yeah, um, right. that you feel like you, everything's in apartments, you're up high above the ground, there's, you know, gardens on the rooftops and on the walls um, of the buildings. Um, they harvest water. Um, the, there's there's a whole lot of infrastructure that's designed to, you know, gather electricity and to create electricity and power from the sun and the wind and all those sorts of things. So there's, it's a very modern society. And it's Singapore is so small, like it's tiny. And I wonder where they get all of their food from because I can't imagine that Singapore actually grows any of their food for utilisation because there's just no land to be able to do that. So maybe they get the bulk of their food from Malaysia, which means that um, a country that's very poor like Malaysia. Um, yeah, you're right. One very... of Singapore's biggest food sources is Malaysia, which supplies oh, more go. than 50% of its eggs and about 40% of its fruits and vegetables and a yeah. significant amount of its meat and seafood. Um, there you go. Singapore buys more meat from Brazil than any other country. Okay, so we're talking about an economy um, that's pretty much solely dependent on importing its produce. 
And so it's largely dependent. The success of Singapore is largely dependent on the success of other countries around the world. Now, what's really fascinating too about Singapore is that in the bank, Singapore has the cash equivalent of Australia's GDP. So in the bank, they have zero debt and they have $1.7 trillion in the bank. So they are in themselves a financially stable economy zero nothing affects them like nothing takes them down doesn't matter about the gas price the oil price it doesn't matter about global weather change climate change doesn't matter about any of that nothing kind of matters a pandemic isn't going to derail them because they have zero debt so everything that they do is funded by cash they have a very low tax system like it doesn't cost them much money so there's a high level of happiness and so you might recall, is it Burma or is it is it Burma that that, Bhutan, that measures about the, the Bhutan? Bhutan. Yeah, Bhutan, yeah. Yeah, Bhutan. Gross happiness or gross domestic yeah. happiness. Um, like that. I think that Singapore could easily grab grab that mantle and take that mantle. And you might recall also that when we were in Ikaria, we met um some Finlandish uh, mm. politicians and the Finlandians were or are they Finlandians? Are they Finnish? I don't know what they're called. Uh, they're they called from an island in Finland. This is Finland. episode. Oh no, not episode five three one. Um, but yes, I'm just looking for it now. But yes, um, it was- so we met them, and they were looking at strategies that they could create sustainable cultures uh, on their islands that were independent of the state, if that makes yes. sense. So they had their own power supply, their own water supply, their own everything. And I feel like that's kind of what's required in order to achieve blue zone status. I feel like what's got to happen is there's got to be an independence of the state in order to be able to become a blue zone mm. and to live with control over your whole life. Now, that doesn't mean I'm promoting anarchy. It doesn't mean <laughs> that I'm promoting, you know, living in communes somewhere out the back of Mullumbimby. Like, I'm not, <laughs> oh, that's not what I'm promoting. We don't have any room left at our house. Too many kids, not enough room left in our place. <laughs> <laughs> there's a pool. There's a pool. Yeah, uh, there but is. I think that what, what I'm trying to suggest here is that an independence of the state, in other words, total sovereignty over the decisions that you make around food, exercise, mm. nutrition, health decisions um, are independent of the state. And uh, and I think that – and obviously it's it's great if you've got a great medical system if you get sick um, or you chop an arm off or you lose a finger doing a chin-up. Like it, those sorts of things are um, important. But it, your total sovereignty of the decisions of your health um, I think are going to be really, really important uh, to encourage longevity and the creation of new blue zones which I think Singapore is moving towards. So um, just to close off a few open loops here, episode 192, Blue Zones to Green Zones with Karina Altonen, who is a member of parliament in Arland near Finland. Mm -hmm. Um, That's who Damo was referring to then. And yes, it is official. Singapore were announced as the sixth Blue Zone on September the 23rd this year so which was just after that was just after the release of the docuseries amazing how that happens isn't it (laughs) the timing is amazing it's like can you believe it it's amazing um so so that yeah they do go into a bit more detail there in in the if people just google it i'll pop the links in the show notes actually singaporeans rank number one in healthy life expectancy and have the world's lowest rate of 
cardiovascular mortality and best healthcare system. Again, I don't know the references, but I'm mm-hmm. just reading from the website here. The number of centenarians on the island um, more than doubled during the past decade from 700 to 15, uh, 1,500, which is interesting because we've got 4,500 in Australia, but again, per capita, I get that, as did the number of men and women in their 80s and 90s. Clearly, Singapore has been doing something right for its aging population and doing it, as Damo says, in its own way. I do think, mm-hmm. Damo, you've got a point. You know, I know Ikari is very, we call it fiercely independent of mainland. They almost consider themselves Icarian first, Greek second, but mm-hmm. they did have a crack at being fully sovereign and they realised how much money they got from the federal <laughs> government and they, they needed a bit of a uh, scramble back. Hand. Yeah, it's like crabs back. in a bucket, that one. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know, but it's interesting that you say that because, you know, having been to Ikaria and then um, for those people that are new to us, we are going to Ikaria in Sardinia 2024, August 22 to 31, Ikaria, and then the next day, September 1 to 10, Sardinia. And what is interesting is that Sardinia is 100 times bigger with a massive population. So landmass you know, 250 square kilometres versus 25,000 square kilometres and population 8,500 in Ikaria versus 1.6 million in Sardinia. And so this whole conversation about sovereignty, Damo, you recognise just requires, there must be a sweet spot of of humans uh, required in order to create and then maintain that sovereignty because it's something that Ikaria really struggled with, you know, and... Eight and a half thousand people on their island, and you know, need a bit of a helping hand. Whereas Sardinia, which is not a full blue zone in the whole island, is not a blue well, that's, zone. That's where I wanted to take that. Is that we're talking like 15, fourteen um, different little villages, you know, like we're fourteen regions. So we're not talking like the whole island. We're talking little pockets, um, and they were largely isolated from you know the mainland, even to the extent that they speak Sardinian. They don't speak mm. Italian, you know. So I think that's a really important point. Absolutely, and is a bit of a. Um, it's, it's a really good point, very important point in that it's a very small percentage of the island that is a blue zone. Um, mm. And on the flip side, though, they have a lot of, what's the word? Um, they're part of a bigger island, more people, so there is more support. Healthcare being being, being one thing, even if they're, even if yeah. they're at their own little little enclave. More infrastructure. Resources and, infra- and infrastructure to yeah. access when they need to. So it mm. does, I can't help but feel enthused that um, for want of a better term, like a modern society um, leads the way in a in a way that people can feel enthusiastic around getting older, aging gracefully whilst living in a heavily populous city or region because a lot of people ask about not just blue zones but even just aging well in terms of, oh, do you have to leave the city and, you know, retire by the ocean and, you know, breathe in the clean air and all of the rest of it, where, um, again, Singapore renowned for being very clean, but also heavily populous, very dense, mm-hmm. um, and people living great long lives. Um, and I think that should be reassuring for people that don't want to give up their city lifestyle. Like, they love living in the yeah. city and they love yeah. the buzz of, of, yeah. the urban, of the urban life. Um, and it's not about retiring to a Mediterranean island or, you know, somewhere small. If that's what you want to do, great. But that doesn't have to be the number one nutrient to aging well. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. But if you do want to retire to Little Mediterranean Island, you might check it out first. Come with us. You know, we'll, we'll show you where you could do you a know, reconnaissance with purchase us. Purchase your plot. And study, yeah. <laughs> we know where there's some vacant blocks of land. I think every year, Damo and I commit to buying a block together and making it a little project. Yeah, absolutely. I keep checking my genes to see if it's changed. I've got some Greek heritage, so I can get a little place in Korea. But I still haven't, still haven't become Greek enough. Um, We've still got to interview so- Toby Tunis, who we met in Ikaria, who does yeah. have a bit of Greek heritage and lives in the Byron Shire here, about to become a dad. Um, yeah. And uh, you're right, because um, there are people that it's like you know when you meet people that are traveling overseas and they show you their passport and they've got the Australian accent like. Ocker Central, but <laughs> they've got an Italian passport or a French passport Greek. or a, yeah. you know, yeah. 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 We need to get a bit of that. We need yeah, to get a do. bit of that. Um, yeah. Well, I hope this has, you know, helped the outraged that were just incensed that we hadn't got the fifth uh, part <laughs> of our review to the four-part Netflix series, yeah. Live to 100, out there and released. Um, really awesome to hear your thoughts. Have you got any final parting thoughts on uh Singapore or Live to 100 or um, our review of the Blue Zone series, Damo, before we wrap? I do. I want to say a massive congratulations to Dan Buettner, um for putting together a great series um, and also for, you know, for his, to even to the extent that we've found some of the things that Dan's been doing over the last couple of years a little bit um, controversial. challenging, controversial. Um, we and he might not think it's controversial. We we do, um, and he might think it's challenging. But we have been challenged by some of the things that he's been doing. Maybe we can talk about that in another episode. I want to say congratulations because it's an incredible achievement, um, and he's created a worldwide movement um, of people that are seeking to live um, an incredible life, an exceptional life, even to the extent that there's been a book written about it. So, um, like, I think it's awesome. In the you know, good on you, Dan. Flat. And I hope one day we get to interview Dan Buechner because. Um, if it wasn't for for Dan, we wouldn't have you know gone and travelled. We, we just wouldn't have done it. We wouldn't have thought to do it. So mm. it's opened up our eyes, and then having the opportunity to share all of our learnings and experience, and you know, comparing it to what he's put together in his docu series, um, and even to see the people that we hang out with in the docu series, um, you know, that's a really it's really reassuring that I think we're on the right track, PC. To uh, to sharing with people the secrets to a long life and to the the secrets to a healthy life and aging well. I will I will work harder because I haven't worked very hard at all, as in no work at all, <laughs> to actually <laughs> invite Dan onto the show. My limiting belief with Dan and all international guests is just the amount of painstaking work to line up the calendar. I feel like we need to go to Ikaria when he's there. <laughs> I have memories of you guys on the wellness guys interviewing people at like four in the morning. Just nah, to be able- it was never that late. It was never that late. It was like maybe eleven o'clock at night. So I reckon we can get Dan on. That won't be a problem. We could do it. It's not a. It's not a desire. I'm, he'd be very happy to. We just have to. Uh, maybe it's me. I've got to just open up my calendar a bit more and do something at night. Maybe. Yeah. We'll imagine. A, we'll be imagine episode. being a little bit flexible with your calendar. <laughs> Oh my God. Imagine no being flexible with your calendar. Whatsoever. What is that? Um, well, for everyone. If, if you want to take some advice from your 50-year-old self, it's probably exactly what I just said to myself when I was 40. 
um, you'll say to yourself, be a little bit more flexible with your calendar. That's yeah. what your 50-year-old self is going to tell you. Here we go. You watch. You watch how flexible I am. I won't rock up next week. I'll be playing golf. Hey, um, to everyone that's been listening to 100 Not Out, thank you so much for joining us on this edition. We cannot wait for more longevity conversations with you for 500-plus episodes to come. Until next week, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.